What's up? Welcome to Guitar Blah Blah, the daily podcast for people that just can't shut up about guitar. If that sounds like you, then you are in the right place. And if you want even more guitar content, be sure to check out axesandblades.com, especially for content focused on unique guitars and the people who make them and the people who play them. Speaking of which, I want to highlight another interesting guitar design today. Yesterday, I highlighted uh, the Twixter model from Zeal Guitars in Germany, a very unique approach to doing something that is often regarded as not so unique, a T-style, a Tele-inspired guitar. Of course, we've seen them from every single brand, every single luthier, every single guy with a vague setup for building guitars in his garage or shed or or any luthier that um, has built himself or herself a starting guitar and is at the very beginning of their journey. They've all built a T-style or, or Tele-inspired guitar to some extent, but that's why I highlighted the Tweakster. If you want to learn more about why that is actually interesting and unique go and check out yesterday's episode that is a great example of yes it is a vaguely t-style telly style body shape but it goes so much beyond that and it shows that really there is a way and approach to make a more unique telly style guitar if you're a luthier if you're a guitar builder and you just love that body shape or, or some elements of that guitar there's still ways to make it unique even today even having seen so many uh, straight up copies and so many iterations and reinventions of that guitar. There's still ways that builders find to make it interesting and unique, and Zeal Guitars did that with the Tele. Well, what better pairing on the next episode than to bring you an example of how to do a generally S type or Strat inspired guitar, right? How to do that and actually bring something unique to the market. Again, uh, we've seen it from any luthier that has started in his or her journey has probably also built something vaguely resembling a Strat or at least thought about it or at least started it or at least designed it or at least thought I could, you know, reinvent that wheel. Um, and there are many, many, many out there, whether they're copies, whether they're reinventions, whether they're complete reiterations. And how would you do that unique? How would you in 2020 actually come up with a S-type guitar that's actually at all adding something new to the market or adding something worthwhile that I can't just stroll in and pick off uh, any wall in a guitar shop with a Fender logo on it, Squire logo on it. How come there's anything else you could actually bring to the table? And there's a few luthiers doing something interesting, but there's one in particular I want to highlight today that really did catch my eye as a worthwhile guitar when I interacted with it and really impressed me and I'm very skeptical whenever I see a uh, telly looking or strat looking guitar trust me uh, working in this world I'm very very accustomed to seeing them and I'm very skeptical when someone tells me that they have completely reinvented the strat and made it a thousand times better or whatever uh, in this case this builder did not do that did not oversell it they just told me straight up what was going on with the guitar and uh the conversation that she started because I could tell there was something kind of different. So I interacted with this guitar before the end times, before the dark clouds uh, convened over all of our worlds. Um, and in those times, before the end times, there was something called guitar shows uh, where people w who weren't wearing masks used to be in the same room and could shake hands and could yell at each other and could, uh, you know, exist like that. It sounds crazy. Uh, but if you cast your minds back, you'll be able to remember there were many such things before the end times. It wasn't just in guitar world, even. There were many such 
such places like this. But in those places, guitar shows, you walk around, you'd see a bunch of amazing guitars from amazing people. And like I say, they all claim to be unique, bringing something interesting and new to the table. And it can be hard to differentiate between these things. And it can also be hard for a guitar to really stand out in a room full of other great guitars. But I was walking around and I saw um, a table full of very beautiful looking guitars and basses. And on that table was an S-style Strat obviously inspired guitar, but it had a bunch of really interesting things that caught my eye. And as I sort of talked to the builder, picked it up, went over it, it uh, even without the, the builder explaining things to me, really started to win me over and convince me that there was a lot going on here that was very, very cool and worthwhile looking at. I'm not saying it's the craziest guitar that's ever been built, it's still appealing to anyone who likes a Strat and likes something in that area. But this was a builder who really, really, really went over everything about the design and with a knowledge and an experience of guitar design in general and brought to this model really a lot of individual unique little twists, flourishes and changes that are player focused and that are really excellent additions to the guitar whilst keeping the general flavor and formula that you really want if you're looking for that kind of guitar anyway in place. So they really struck the balance for me and I really liked it and want to highlight it. So this is from the builder Sander de Geer. I'm not going to try to pronounce them properly because it's Dutch and I will sound like an idiot. I sound like an idiot anyway because I'm not pronouncing it correctly. Um, but if you know Degear basses, um, they are very popular, actually very well known, uh, particularly in certain genres of music and played by some really well known bass players out there in the world. Very good reputation, Degear basses, um, beautiful stuff. These are handmade in the Netherlands um, and I've been to the Degear workshop and it's a very impressive workshop um, really organized really impressive equipment in there really impressive working layout um, as well as a cool little showroom um, and uh, really impressive to see some of the models that were coming along and they had some cool custom build kind of stuff in there that uh, both in guitars and basses that were quite a bit different um, than what you would expect and at the time that I visited um, Gear was also launching this new kind of really cool interesting model called the Voltura models which um, are really kind of in the Gretsch kind of area of a guitar um, but really 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 uh unique in their own way um cool artwork on there excellent capturing of a kind of subtle relic finish um really 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 cool stuff anyway um the vulture is something we can discuss another time for sure um because that's a whole nother model but they were also there at this guitar show and they were there at the workshop when i went to visit um and so a builder with a great reputation um a lot of experience to hear guitars and basses you can go and check out um online um it's uh the it's spelled d-e and then space g-i-e-r if you want to go check it out and uh, like i said i'm not pronouncing it at all properly because i i can't because dutch i don't know it's 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 kind of like here or something i don't know um I, I just get laughed at by dutch people if i try and do it um and 
probably spit all over my mic. So uh, just save me the embarrassment and opt for the slightly lesser embarrassment of pronouncing it completely wrong. So anyway, very well known in the bass world and very great reputation as both a guitar and bass builder. Um, like I said, went to the workshop, really professional operation, really cool setup, um, which you would expect from an experienced luthier with a lot of experience in organizing their shop and building their models and developing them over time and their work processes and kind of learning about the work process there was a really cool experience as well. So anyway, what was this guitar like on the table of Tikiga guitars amongst the other bases, the Voltura models? Like I said, very much strap based. Um, and this was their surfer model. That's the name of the kind of S-type, stratty inspired, whatever you want to call it, model from the gear. It's called the surfer. So what is it that really made this guitar cool? I don't really need to describe it to you. You can already envision, you probably, if you're listening to this, have a rough idea of what strat looks like. But I just want to talk you through what were the things I learned about this guitar that made it stand out to me um, amongst a room full of people who probably all say that they can build the best strat ever or whatever or you know oh who built a strat copy or what's the point or whatever opinion they have on it it's luthiers you know um i've talked before about how they um all definitely think they are the best at everything ever which is fun uh um but what is it that makes the surfer stand out in a world and a room full of strat style copies well one of the first things I noticed was that on the headstock, there were no string trees. So this is achieved through a combination of having a slightly recessed headstock combined with the tuners basically in the right place. I know that you can do this with staggered tuning keys, for example, but they've recessed the headstock, combine that with just the perfect tuners. And what you have is you do not need string trees in there and you have the exact uh, correct string angle going over the nut without the string tree gets rid of a little bit of friction um you'll see often people up can upgrade string trees on certain lower level like inexpensive strats sometimes you just don't need to sometimes it works out fine sometimes people upgrade them to the kind of nice ones you get i believe from like graph tech and go to and stuff and make them um because it basically limits friction and sometimes the friction from the string trees can cause slight tuning stability issues um it can also be a slight tonal upgrade to reduce some of the friction there that on its own is going to be a small thing. Is someone five is back going to hear this? No, any luthier will tell you that. However, to the player themselves, it can Im- improve the feeling a little bit. And when you're sitting there playing on your own, if you improve all of these kind of minimal things across a guitar, you can really see an improvement overall. Lots of small things add up. Um, and that's very much what they're going for with the surfer here is improving all these little small things that actually add up. This is one of them. Um, you've got a really good angle going over uh, the nut so it's the right um, amount of tension and pressure going over the nut um, so that you're balancing a nice uh, full tone with nice sustain and tuning stability and they use a tusk nut on this which is very meticulously carved to make sure that that's also decreasing any any kind of unnecessary unwanted friction there and making sure that all you're getting is the perfect amount of tension and the right angle going over the nut from the string and that is it so there's no other unnecessary friction there so a nice little few kind of design elements coming together to make sure that 
you're getting these kind of little 1% of sustain and tuning stability and tone. I like to think about um, a lot of the stuff that luthiers do is almost like when you're getting to this level, it's a bit like um, professional athletes. Um, probably you hear them, you've probably heard at some point talking about these 1%, these little 1%. Um, talking about, you know, does this individual thing that I do really make that much of a difference on game day, for example? Maybe not. But one, lots of these little things that I'm doing, I'm doing lots of them and they add up and that can make a big difference but also really when everyone's at this extremely high level one percent is a huge difference in the in the uh in the kind of highest level of things one percent is what people are looking for when they come here and one percent is what wins this over this i guess that's the same with this um a really really excellent example of a fender guitar that's come out of their factory and just you pick it up off the shop wall and it just sings to you um and then you've also got an amazing luthier over here building a strat. And you've got this person with 25 years of experience building an S-type guitar. And this person over here. Unless there's individual specs that just speak to you, what's going to make you choose one over the other? It's probably that little, just certain something that clicks with you. That's quite subjective, but also it comes down to these kind of 1%. You kind of go, oh, I don't know. You know, if I have a blindfold on, they probably all sound the same. But for some reason, this one, option number three, just works for me. Again, it's subjective. It's about what clicks with you. It's about what the luthier does that on a kind of personal level for them also works for you. But it's probably these little 1% as well where it's just for some reason, I love this guitar or that one. Maybe it just has just some amount of friction is just not there between the bridge and the nut and here and there. And it just, that's why it sings for you. That's why it just plays better than anything for you, even though you can't really put a finger on it who knows um maybe it doesn't work like that for all of us maybe it's just it's it's about a whole bunch of factors of course and a lot of it's very psychological but um i think when you're at this level i would actually want a luthier who's going after the one percent little things because even if a lot of players say yeah i can't really notice the difference um if you're making these super high-end made slowly kind of one at a time or in very small batches guitars and basses you should be aiming to be the absolute best you can possibly be because as I've said a thousand times, I can go and get factory-made guitars at every price point that we all know are, re are are getting amazing these days, are just really good. We all know that. We're probably all sitting there with guitars at home, which we make music on right now in our little budgets. So um, I think luthiers should hold themselves to that standard. I think if you're going to make these guitars, which are expensive because of the necessities of how they're made um and the circumstances in which they're made and the time that's spent on them and everything being super spec to the to the kind of highest of high end you should be holding your craft to that level so these kind of little one percents impress me so i'm instantly impressed the first thing i notice is in the string trees and then the headstock slightly recessed this combination of factors mean that it's a slight improvement removes a tiny bit of friction again improvement you say my strat's got string trees and i love it and it's be best guitar i've ever played Sure, it's about, again, this person in their craft is saying, I feel that that's a substandard element or a slightly detracting element from the design. I'm going to find a way to improve it. And it's cool. And I like that they did that. Um, and then as you kind of examine the guitar more, you start to notice more things. So um, a really nice heel contour here. Uh, for upper fret access really nice ergonomic shaping on the whole body um, obviously when you compare like a strat and a tele uh, the strats generally are very 
curved and carved kind of guitar but the surfer takes that to the next level um really has a lot of focus on kind of refined ergonomic carving to give you plenty of high fret access in the, in the case of the heel but also really to sit nicely against the body be super balanced and to be as comfortable as possible the strat's quite a comfortable guitar it's what you go to if you want comfort we like the comfortable elements of the strap this just takes it to the next level and kind of brings in some ergonomic guitar design elements from kind of contemporary guitar design brings that into the strap kind of formula which is really nice so not just the same old strap body i like that a lot for sure now they did another interesting thing with the neck heel even though they increased the upper fret access by giving it nice carving they did something that's actually almost a bit counterintuitive to that almost a bit against the grain um forgive the pun with the woodworking stuff um almost a bit against the grain with what i see other builders doing a lot of people are working towards making kind of neck joints like heelless uh, like you see that on some ergonomic base design um or making it as thin as possible um you know that can work with certain designs really well but with a bolt on um you know with those screws it can actually be a bit detrimental some luthiers will tell you it's a bit of a balancing act because um in terms of tone and sustain you know these tiny little things i know it gets a bit like prse sometimes with like this tiny little tiny little joint here is one millimeter off so it's not going to have any sustain or like oh this little nut over here is made of a slightly inferior metal alloy so it's going to not sound right i know it sounds a bit like you're getting ridiculous like that but um this one actually isn't isn't really in that category uh really any guitar builders and luthiers will tell you that that neck join is extremely important in terms of tone and sustain and the resonance of the guitar um i've had a lot of builders tell me that it's not even the difference is bigger between the quality versus the type meaning a good bolt on a good glued in set neck a good obviously neck through are all excellent and can all provide you with really good sustained stuff of course people have preferences for all sorts of reasons absolutely it's not to say there's no difference but they can all be of the highest quality they can also all be not good enough and not provide enough sustain and not be well done if the guitar just isn't well built if that neck joint is done properly especially if we're talking in glued in versus bolt on you know set neck versus bolt on really um the quality is so much more important in terms of providing a good guitar than the type the type is more about personal preference but this idea that one has more sustain over the other i've talked to a lot of guitar builders who are like if you are going for quality and you have a really refined design you can have the best sustain and the best resonance and stuff out of different ones it's interesting there's people who debate that because of well you know the the glue in the neck pocket and really how tight you can get that anyway on that topic um this is a interesting way to go because the neck heel whilst many other people are trying to make these things thinner and stuff for ergonomic reasons the surfer has the ergonomic carving but it actually has a thicker neck heel so that it's not getting in the way of playability because it's got that really nice carving but it's got a thicker neck heel so that the screws basically have a better grip so that it creates a really stronger tighter more perfect neck joint with the body um and the idea is that that can help with sustain and tone and all of that stuff 
really cool. Like I said, it sounds like a small thing, but guitar builders will tell you that 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 is an extremely important thing. How good that um, that neck pocket and that joint is, and it's cool that they've gone with a slightly thicker heel here to give it a slightly tighter grip and uh, maybe improve sustain and tone. Again, this is whether you agree that it's a you think it will work for that reason or not. It's a sign of a builder really putting extreme meticulous effort and focus onto every single little design feature to push themselves to make something better it's not just let's make an s-type guitar because people like it it's let's make sure every single element of this design is gone over with a fine tooth comb and improved where we feel it can be improved and made better for the player it's an awesome sign of the amount of work and refinement that's gone into this um a little detail that is a uh, a small detail again but will probably should actually be the first thing that, st- that struck me when I noticed the guitar, but I didn't actually notice this until I'd already noticed a few of these other details. Um, I did notice that the um, that the jack was on the side of the guitar rather than usually like on the top as it is with um, with the S-type guitars. This is basically to do with how it gives you free reign depending on what you want to do with the tremolo arm. Lots of players these days in kind of cool fusion music, instrumental music, progressive music are doing all sorts of cool things with trems that aren't necessarily, that often aren't actually Floyd Rose trems. There are more of these traditional style of trems, cool little flicks of the of the tremolo arm and stuff and they want to position the tremolo arm in lots of different ways. Um, and this basically means that the input jack being out of the way makes that easier. And that is true. If you want to do some of those less traditional kind of tremolo things like you want to flick the arm back and stuff to make well she's slide a note which is kind of the stuff that you see guys in like polyphia and stuff doing all these cool little tricks and things um all these kinds of instrumental progressive bands and some and some kind of cool modern um interesting kind of fusion guys and stuff doing weird stuff like that as well uh it's way better actually to have that input jack on the side it does actually get in the way it is actually a design problem now that's not a design flaw with the original strap people the way you use the tremolo arm in the traditional way that people were when when they were playing strats and when those when you know back in the 50s um makes perfect sense but now with some of the things like flicking the arm around and stuff you actually can't do it some of these things with the input jack uh on some guitars so having it on the side sensible and also they just said they uh did gear preferred it for the um for the aesthetics as well which is very very cool um hey that's important as well right to <laughs> to have that so um that was something that i very much enjoyed as well um something that i didn't notice about the headstock but which uh sander then explained to me was that it's actually uh, even though it's recessed slightly it's actually a thicker headstock um this is something that they brought over from their years designing bases and their experience as i mentioned in that field that they felt that a thicker headstock and this is something bass players talk about all the time this is not something they just made up this is something that was really actually big if you don't know in the bass playing world is about headstock thickness um i know us guitar players think that we're the freaking stupid ones but it turns out bass players have taken it to a new level of ridiculous what else can we discuss well prs is over here discussing what i don't know whether a tiny component in a tuning key is rubber or brass and whether that makes a difference well we're over here with um in bass world with our headstock thickness and uh you'll see sometimes bass players even put like these brass things on like um on their headstock like these brass bars to make their headstocks thick uh thicker and heavier and like meatier and uh, it's for sustain and for tone um and it's kind of creates this basically yeah increased sustain and 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 
a thickness to the tone. Interesting, not something we generally talk about really in Guitar World. So that's the benefit of another luthier bringing their individual experience. Not something you're going to see on a spec sheet from one of the big guys because it's not something that's really on the customer's mind. It's not something you're going to get if you focus group in the guitar world because we don't really talk about it. But there's absolutely no reason that if that's something that affects basses that that wouldn't be something that can have an effect in guitars and again this is a luthier who has spent time experience testing and refining their builds and they have found that it is worthwhile adding some thickness to the headstock because it does change the way the guitar sounds and feels even if it's in a minuscule way and again all these little one percents add up and are important at this high-end level of guitar building so Really cool. Something I've not heard about, something I've not seen people really bring into the guitar world that much. You, you see it here and there, but it's really more of a bass thing, and that's the benefit of this individual builder's experience. They are very experienced in the bass world as well. So a cool thing there. Definitely not something you see talked about a lot with a strap, but there it is on the surfer, which is very, very, very cool. Thinking about the player, they also did slightly increase... Um, the width of the neck and change the string spacing another tiny little one percent thing but this is because um not something i've ever had a problem with but there is this thing about like some guitarists having a problem with the high e string on a strat and, and finding that it kind of goes off the end of the fingerboard and that the string spacing isn't quite right for them on a strat if you love your strat and you're saying that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard then then that's obviously a problem that you've never had. And of course, it's not like people have had a problem with this track. I don't remember Clapton and Hendrix and people talking about how, oh, if only it wasn't for that damn unusable E-string, high E-string on a, on a strat, right? It's not like it makes strats unplayable. But for some people, that's why they go away from a strat to another guitar. They find the string spacing and particularly something about the high E-string uh, frustrating on a strat. Some people do absolutely not everyone obviously but for some people they don't like that so to hear guitars that has with the surfer slightly changed that and, and and messed around with it so that it is um really familiar and really still comfortable it's a small change but it does actually slightly improve it for some of their players who have had a problem with s style guitars particularly with the high e string and the string spacing so again a little meticulous detail there for the players which is a great thing obviously you've got Everything else being of the highest quality and gone over with a fine-tooth comb as well. They've played around with a huge amount of different tremolos because there's so many for strats, and they've gone with the Goto 510FE1. Um, basically, this is what they felt is the best. Obviously, everyone's going to talk about their trem is the best, all these companies, but Takeda um, Guitars has felt that for the surfer, the Goto model is the best one in terms of eliminating friction having improved stability returning to pitch correctly um and everything like that that's what they felt has worked the best with their guitar and again that's the great thing about these custom designed guitars that are refined over many years by an experienced luthier they they go together even if you prefer another trem in some other places and the luthier might as well in this place uh, in this guitar in this exact model they feel like all of these things come together and the guitar is a system it's a physical system where everything's working together the strings vibrating everything's vibrating it's all coming together it all adds to the sound one guitar sounds better to you than another um because of all the elements that have made up that guitar and how it's been built and this is a, a really cool thing about the surfer is a, within just a minute of me picking it up i noticed all these little differences and 
as soon as I started thinking about why there there were these differences, even before, like I say, I started asking uh, Sander about these things, about well, why is this and why did you go with this or him telling me, I already started to work out, oh, they've done this to fix that problem or they've done this to eliminate this or they've done this because it works with this, um, which is cool. We all want guitars to have that magic and stuff, obviously. Um, but it's it, it's sometimes a bit odd. Oh, this guitar has the magic for me and this one doesn't. How useful is that? It's, kind of doesn't really communicate or convey anything to you but um the really cool thing about this is i it's it's one of the times where i've picked up a guitar and just um instead of it just just being feel based i've logically seen the process of the luthier and as someone familiar with strats um as we all are it's the choices that were made even if they're not the choices you want all these choices really made sense they were coherent they were cohesive they came together in a way that really instantly started telling me oh someone's gone over the classic designs here and brought in a bunch of other ideas from other guitar and bass designs and started to bring them into a way which improves and reinvents and recreates so that you have something unique and something new even though it obviously has so much of the flavor and inspiration of a classic i think that's luthiers at their best i think that's guitar builders at their best i think that's what they should be doing that's the standards they should be holding themselves to and i thought it was really cool that whilst so much of this became even clearer and came together once i was talking to sander about this guitar and he was talking me through even more elements of it that i got this on my own i just was looking at the guitar on a stand and um, instantly started to go oh you I see you've done this that that's probably for this reason right and a lot of the things i even pointed out to sander and just said oh what about is, is that because of this um and it's just that's how much sense it made to me even sitting on a stand i understood this guitar again in a room and a world full of strats it's cool to see one where you go i get why this exists i get why you did this and i get why this stands out very cool you don't always get that, and it makes the surfer worthwhile in a very full marketplace of guitars. It really does stand out, and it really kind of justifies its existence and the enormous amount of work that's gone into it, which is an incredibly satisfying thing as a in, as a person, as a guitar pervert or whatever I am, as a person who enjoys guitars. And it must be, I imagine, incredibly satisfying as a luthier, and that's uh, why he felt it was at the point to release it and put it out there in the world with this feels rightly so proud of this guitar so i love that um i really really do i really do love it it's worth checking out it's worth also saying that um the version that i checked out first was um with a uh with sander had made his own version of the wide range pickups um the set classic 70s seth level wide range pickups which i absolutely love a seriously underrated pickup um and he made his own version of it and kind of with love and meticulousness he loves those pickups as well and have really brought a lot of love to them and done some really interesting things to bring about that kind of sound to capture what the wide range set leather pickups kind of so uniquely do and then man they're an under undermade underrated pickup there's so many people who will make every kind of pickup that just won't make those um they get overlooked by us players as well and i they are so underrated i think i'm gonna have to do a whole episode about them um there's a really cool place in manchester as well uh creamery custom pickups that does um the kind of the, the guy that absolutely loves wide range pickups um 
the wide range vendor pickups and they do their a bunch of their own versions and and really have done a massive deep dive into what makes those pickups so unique and uh, they're kind of they're, they're arguably the most versatile um humbucker pickup and um I'm tempted to agree. And so it was cool to see a Luthier. That was another thing that made it unique because not a lot of people have gone in and remade and reinvented and updated that pickup just because it gets overlooked. Um, and one, I just love that pickup. And two, uh, to see a Luthier bring their own thing to it, again, with the same level of detail, love, care, and inventiveness that is brought to the whole of this guitar. Again, brought like a whole new other layer to it that I loved um, and made that example of the surfer even more uh, fascinating to me and made me just want to play it. So I will leave a link to the gear guitars in the description. I'll, I'll leave a link to the page where you can learn all about their guitars and their basses and check them out. You can also go and check them out on Facebook, Instagram, all of that good stuff. They build a whole bunch of awesome stuff. Sander does amazing work. So absolutely check them out. As always, I'm going to finish with my music suggestion because it's all about making music as much as we can blab about recessed headstocks and I don't know, whatever the hell else I was talking about. It's all about making music. That's what inspires us. That's why we love guitar. That's what drives us and uh, what keeps us playing. So I always like to suggest a track, an album, a performance, an artist to go and check out. Today, it's a track. It's from an artist who I brought up before. Um, I did an episode that is going to be continued in a whole series of episodes where i'm answering the question who the hell plays these guitars right who the hell plays these boutique guitars these fancy guitars the surfers all of this and i'm wanting to highlight artists um who play boutique guitars to show you there are amazing artists out there because it is a reasonable question if these guitars are so good and so brilliantly made and so clever surely they would have amazing artists all over the world playing them and they do and so i want to promote that here as well as obviously just promoting those artists because it's a hard year for artists because they're amazing artists because i enjoy their music anyway so i want to promote them i've mentioned many of them already uh, in my music suggestions at the end of episodes but i am wanting to have more episode specifically focused on music one and two specifically focused on answering that question who the hell plays these quote-unquote booty guitars or whatever if they're so good there must be lots of musicians out there i can find playing them i want to highlight them and i already did in one episode i highlighted a couple of artists playing the sabra fen guitars from spain amazing guitars i've talked about many times and I did highlight a few artists. And one of the artists I highlighted was David Reguero from Spain. Um, you should go check that out. I talked about a performance of his that was great. Where he's playing the Sabra Fen, uh, the Marusha model, which is just fantastic. Um, oh, God, I got Dutch and Spanish in this episode. God, help me. Um, uh, I, know, I know. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry if you're from any other country and I try to pronounce anything from your language. You know that we're just... Look, we're very stupid backwards people in Britain, and I apologize. Um, anyway, um, amazing music, and you should go check out that episode and then check out the performance from David Ruggiero. Beautiful jazz stuff, some gypsy jazz stuff, some Django-inspired stuff. Um, definitely Django Reinhardt is a big influence. Um, and this track I want to point out um, definitely has like throughout this album some Django Reinhardt influence in there but really other influences coming to this track a bit of a somber feel in it too which I really love um I feel like there's a few influences coming together but throughout this album there's of course some some uh there's um old there's heavy 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 influence of course throughout from Django Reinhardt obviously because 
that's kind of the whole thing that's going on with this album is it's um it's gypsy jazz stuff that's what it is um but i really enjoy um david Ruggiero's playing i really enjoy his compositions um they're great compositions and he really has his own flavor and style uh that to me brings a lot to the music that I think can appeal to people beyond just the the kind of jazz and the gypsy jazz world. I think there's a huge amount in here. There's some there's some cool swing elements and some cool um, some some really cool flavors from across songs. And so anyway, the track I want to point out is called Labyrintho, which just means labyrinth, right? I don't know. I'm guessing, I, again, we're stupid people in Britain. Don't judge me. But this is track number nine from the album um, Ariel from. David Ruggiero. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. I think it is. It's spelt like A and then real, but I I, I would guess it's not pronounced like that. Um, but the the ninth track, the closing track on this album, Labyrintho, really, really, really kind of inspired me today. I was really enjoying it today in particular. Um, I recommend you check out this entire album, but this last track in particular, I am suggesting. This album can be found on David Reguero's Bandcamp, which is just davidreguero.bandcamp.com. His last name is spelled R-E-G-U-E-I-R-O. The link will also be in the description of this podcast. Man, I really enjoy this track and I really enjoy this album. So go check that out. Go check out The Surfer from Nikhil Guitars. I've just blabbed on far too much now. I've tried to speak a thousand different languages when I barely got to grips with one and I apologize again to everybody all around the world so anyway go and play a bunch of guitar go and check out that music go and check out a bunch of music that inspires you take care of yourselves take care of one another and as always I will catch you tomorrow tomorrow